0: Well, I take an artist or a band and listen to their work, then I put them on a list like a music critic jerk, then I put them all in order from the best to the worst, but you probably won't like my choice for first, I don't care. You might think this idea is dumb, you're wrong, it's actually random. Random. Hello and welcome to another edition of Random Album. I am B.C. and I am joined this week by my lovely wife, J.C. Hello. And for those of you who tuned in in the previous episode, we counted down from worst to best all 12 songs from Linkin Park's debut album, Hybrid Theory. And this week we have the difficult task of counting down from worst to best well, okay, we're not really going to count down. We're going to do something a little different. But we are going to talk about Linkin Park's album discography and where we have placed them on our lists. Yeah. So it's going to be a change of pace compared to previous episodes. And as I've mentioned in earlier episodes, I'm not always going to count down worst to best. I'm always going to count down best to worst. And this episode is one of those examples.
1: Well, we are counting them down, but we both have our own personal lists. And we're basically just going to start with the earliest album and make our way through and discuss where they are on our own personal list versus trying to go back and forth with our own things, you know?
0: Exactly. And we will get into that. But first, let's talk about the history of Linkin Park. Before Linkin Park would go on to become one of the best-selling rock bands of all time, they formed in Agora Hills, California in 1996 by high school students Mike Shinoda, Rob Borden, and Brad Delson. After graduating, they recruited Joseph Hahn, Dave Phoenix Farrell, and lead singer Mark Wakefield to call themselves Zero. That's X-E-R-O. After attempted record deals went down the drain, Wakefield became bitter, according to the band, and left the group, and Phoenix, Dave Farrell, would briefly leave to tour with the Christian ska punk band Tasty Snacks. Via a recommendation from Jeff Blue, who was then the vice president of Zomba Music, Arizona native Chester Bennington would join the group, and the band changed their name to Hybrid Theory back in 1999. It was at this moment that the vocal chemistry between Chester Bennington and Mike Shinoda would become one of the things that made Linkin Park so famous. In 2000, the band finally landed a record deal at Warner Brothers Records and changed their name to Lincoln Park, as a tribute to Lincoln Park in Santa Monica. However, with a twist, the band's name would be spelled L I N K I N. Farrell would return to the band later that year and they would release Hybrid Theory, which became the number one selling album of 2001. As I said earlier, Lincoln Park became one of the best-selling rock bands of all time, 100 million albums sold worldwide, two Grammys, six American Music Awards, two Billboard Awards, four VMAs, and three World Music Awards. The band would go on indefinite hiatus on July 20th, 2017, after Chester Bennington committed suicide. A tribute show to Chester Bennington happened in Los Angeles on August 22nd that same year and was broadcast live on YouTube. The future of Linkin Park has been a huge music story for the last three years. During an Instagram live chat on December 17, 2017, Shinoda was asked if Linkin Park would consider the idea of a hologram version of Chester Bennington when going on tour. He replied, quote, I can't even wrap my head around the idea of a holographic Chester. I've actually heard other people outside the band suggest that, and there's absolutely no way. I cannot fuck with that. On January 20th, 2018, Shinoda replied to a tweet from a fan inquiring about the future, saying, quote, I have every intention of continuing with Linkin Park and the guys feel the same. We have a lot of rebuilding to do and questions to answer, so it'll take time. Later that year, Linkin Park was nominated for three awards at the 2018 Billboard Music Awards and shut out for all three. The band was then presented with the George and Ira Gershwin Award for Lifetime Musical Achievement at UCLA on May 18th. On February 18th, 2019, Shinoda said in an interview that the band is open to the idea of continuing, though what form that takes is yet to be decided. He stated, quote, I know the other guys. They love to be on stage. They love to be in a studio. And so to not do that would be like, I don't know, almost like unhealthy. When asked about the band's future minus Bennington, he stated, quote, it's not my goal to look for a new singer. If it happens, it's got to be natural. We find someone that is a great person, a good stylistic fit. I could see trying to do some stuff with somebody. I would never want to feel like we are replacing Chester. And the most recent music news regarding Linkin Park. On April 28th, 2020, bassist Dave Phoenix Farrell revealed that Linkin Park is, in fact, working on brand new music. Now, I don't know what it's going to sound like. It hasn't been released yet, obviously. Mike Shinoda has released two solo albums, so between those two albums, he could easily take over as the lead vocalist. It could be a new vocalist at this point. I don't know. We'll find out when the new music is released, but until then, we have a random ranking to get to, so let's start counting down. In less than two decades, Linkin Park has put out seven albums. And as mentioned in the history, they have sold over 100 million copies worldwide, which is quite an accomplishment in this day and age. Yeah, that's
1: definitely an
0: accomplishment. And also in a short period of time, they've influenced a lot of other artists. Uh, Examples of rock and non-rock artists that cited Linkin Park as an influence uh, of Mice and Men which I can sort of see. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. One Okay Rock, Bishop Nehru uh, from Ashes to New, which definitely made a lot of sense. Oh, yeah,
1: because they definitely do the whole rap, rock, mixing of genres thing.
0: Yeah, (laughs) and they've even, uh, just about every single show that they've done, a couple of which we've seen, they do a medley of Paper Cut from Hybrid Theory And Heavy from One More Light. Yeah. So it was a very good version of it, by the way. Uh, Other bands that were influenced by Linkin Park, 303.
1: I don't see that, but
0: okay. Yeah. Uh, Bring Me the Horizon, which I can definitely say Ollie Sykes on at least the last couple of albums has sounded a lot like Chester.
1: Yeah, I can see that.
0: Yeah, Kiara obviously because she was on the One More Light album for at least one song. She did the song Heavy. Yeah, The Chainsmokers, Kevin Rudolph, and Imagine Dragons is one other band that was influenced by. Well, Lincoln I'm sure Park.
1: there's many, many, many more out
0: there. But... Yeah, still coming out of the woodworks. But this
1: is what Wikipedia is telling us
0: right now. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and Lincoln Park's influences the bands that the band themselves were influenced by. Now that was a mouthful, but whatever. Uh, Soundgarden, which makes a lot of sense, especially with Chris Cornell. I think it was was Chris Cornell the Godfather or Chester the Godfather for one of Chris's sons? I I'm drawing a blank. I don't know. Just don't ask me. But I just remembered. Uh, I know Chester was heavily influenced by chris cornell and was a huge fan and they were the best of friends up until the last uh, a couple years ago when both had uh passed away uh, other influences uh, alice in chains pearl jam stone temple pilots all of which lincoln park have toured with jane's addiction metallica beastie boys misfits run dmc tribe called quest public enemy Rage Against Machine, Led Zeppelin, and The Beatles. And I definitely, yeah, I definitely uh, (laughs) get all those vibes from uh, all those bands that they were influenced by. And we'll get right into it. And we will start with their debut album, the one that started it all, the one that is turning 20 this year, Hybrid Theory. And we counted the songs down on last week's episode, and now we're going to uh, get into the rest of the album as a whole. So, I guess we will start with you. Where did you rank Hybrid Theory?
1: I ranked Hybrid Theory as number two on my list.
0: Okay, all right. Yeah, I remember in last week's episode, you were definitely influenced by that album for sure. Well, yeah, it
1: was what got me through my, my middle school years. So, yeah, it was
0: definitely a big influence on me. Yeah, and, this, and if you had tuned in last week, if you may recall, uh, JC's number one song off of Hybrid Theory, as she had mentioned, got her through middle school, was In The End, which was a worldwide smash back in 2001. Is there any other uh, stories you wanted to include as far as uh, the song goes? All right. Well, then here's a little snippet of In the End. So- Definitely a huge hit off that album for sure, and the one that started it all, if you're listening to uh, rock radio, was uh, One Step Closer, which was a number two hit. Yeah, we'll get to a couple more tracks off this album, but uh, as I said before, debut album, that wound up peaking at number two on the Billboard 200. It has sold 12 million copies in the United States alone, beating out Beatles 1, the number one hits album, as the best-selling album of 2001. It is quite an accomplishment for sure.
1: Where is it on your list?
0: Oh, yeah, the, the other important part of this show. I put it at number three on my list so it it, it's still in the top three as we said last week it's far from a perfect album but as far as debuts go it's definitely up there and it is one of the best albums of the 2000s And one other note I should say about hybrid theory is it was listed on the most recent issue of 1,000 Albums You Need to Hear Before You Die. And I would have to agree with that.
1: Why did you put it on your list at where you put it?
0: Why did I put it there? Yeah because as you're about to find out there were much better albums that lincoln park had released and we will get into that right now because they followed up with what everybody thought was going to be a sophomore slump turned out it just knocked down the doors in 2003 lincoln park and meteora And this is a snippet of the first single off of it, Somewhere I Belong. And that started off with a bang with that song debuting at number three on the modern rock charts and then eventually spending a month at number one. But since we're not ranking the songs from Meteora, we're ranking the albums. Honey, wh- where did you rank Meteora?
1: Meteora is number one on my list. Really? It is, definitely, it is my all-time favorite Linkin Park album.
0: You know, I hemmed and hawed about it for a very long time and I sat down for the first time in a long time, and listened to all of Linkin Park's discography. And in the end, (laughs) ha 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 ha, in the end, I had to agree with you on that one. Meteora is also my number one. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest, it was a huge step up from Hybrid Theory.
1: Yeah, they definitely evolved a lot from that first album to the second one. Well, they had two years of Experience in between the albums, so that had something to do with it, I think.
0: Definitely, and proof that Sophomore Slump did not uh affect them, it debuted at number one. That was their first number one album with 800,000 copies sold the first week. And while we're on the subject, what were your favorite songs off the album? Anything that stood out from that album?
1: My standout tracks for this album were. Lying From You, Easier to Run, and Nobody's Listening.
0: Definitely good selections. I have to agree with you on all of them, actually. Uh, Easier to Run was definitely a change of pace compared to earlier from previous songs. I don't think this was released as a single, but it should have because, wow. Just take a listen to this. We'll shut up right now. I don't know, what have you preferred as far as Linkin Park goes? Do you prefer the hard rock soft or do you prefer the uh, ballady type where Chester isn't screaming most of the song, in your honest opinion?
1: Well, I kind of like something in between. I don't like, I mean, the softer songs are good at certain occasions. Like, you need those songs in there, but I feel like I like a little bit of everything, you know? Like, I like some decent vocals, and I also like When He Goes Hard
0: fair. And you did mention one of the standouts was lying from you, which was another number one hit for them. And this was definitely one of the harder tunes off the album.
1: Uh,
0: There was one negative review uh, I think it was Rolling Stone that reviewed Meteor with a negative comment. No shock there. Uh, they basically brushed this off as Hybrid Theory 2. Uh, I don't know. What do you think? you think it was more of a sequel to Hybrid Theory, or you think it was just a much more improved version of the debut album?
1: I definitely feel like it was a step up. Like, yeah, no, it wasn't Hybrid Theory. I mean, it was, but...
0: It was definitely a more evolved version of it. Yeah, I definitely agree. I I do think Meteora is leaps and bounds better than Hybrid Theory. And I know that annoys a lot of uh, the Linkin Park fans, but honestly, that, that's fact. And there were this album had five number one hits off of it. And we played two of them on here already. We won't play all five of them, but... Uh, Songs that went to number one included Breaking the Habit, which had a pretty cool anime-style video, Faint. And the uh, big hit off of here was uh, Numb.
1: And...
0: Yeah. And the one big tour that Lincoln park wound up being part of was the summer sanitarium tour later that, uh, that summer of 2003, that was headlined by Metallica, Limp Bizkit, Deftones and Lincoln park, which a lot of people said were the highlight of the, of the tour. And I am still kicking myself to this very day that I did not go to that show. And we fast forward four years later, there would be a change, changing of the guard musically. Gone would be the new metal genre, because that would just that was just getting stale. And we were resulted in Minutes to Midnight. And this was the first single off of it, What I've Done, which debuted at number one on the alternative rock charts. It's one of only three songs to have ever accomplished that.
1: basically being the theme song for the transformers movie <laughs> it certainly helped that.
0: Of, of course yes that was essentially the transformers theme and yeah before we go into the meat and potatoes of minutes to midnight the uh million dollar question what were your thoughts of this one
1: i'm not the biggest fan of this album. what <laughs> i knew we we're gonna disagree on this but oh wow this way down at number six on my list
0: At number six? Wow. So, wow, close to the bottom.
1: Yeah, Really? I I really like the first half of this album. The tracks at the beginning are fantastic. I like that the album goes hard, but then it seems like it just, like, hits a point where it just kind of becomes slow and boring and it's just like they didn't, I don't think they shuffled the songs around well enough. Like, I don't know. You love the first half and then the second half is just kind of like, eh, it's okay. (laughs) I was going to
0: say, Shadow of the Day is anything but boring. I mean, that was basically what U2 would sound like if they were, if they went the new metal, alternative rock route.
1: I mean,
0: that's fair, because that was in the first half of the album.
1: Because that still has a beat behind it.
0: Yes, it does. The
1: last four or five songs are all just, like, I don't know, ballads, as you would call them, you know?
0: <laughs>
1: like, there's just not much to it. I don't know.
0: Yeah, well, if I had to get rid of a couple songs off the album, I would have definitely removed Valentine's Day. That was probably the worst.
1: Yeah. I mean, I do like the last track. The last track's a decent track.
0: Yeah, and that was that's actually at, at that point. I think that is the longest track that they've released on an album because that was almost seven minutes long. Yeah, I believe. Yeah.
1: I mean, it could have been cut down a lot, but yeah, <laughs> it I was I, decent.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't know. For years, I had put that at number one. I dropped it to number two after binging Lincoln Park for a week. And well, why
1: was it number one for sure?
0: Because I love that they took risks with the album. How it wasn't... The whole plan with Linkin Park, with this new album, was they wanted to get away from new metal because it had gotten stale. And
1: I can kind of see. But at the same time, it's like, this is what we had known them for for so long. I don't understand why they gotta just turn around and conform to what was popular at the time, you know?
0: Yeah, and this was also the first album that Rick Rubin was assigned as the producer for the album and we all know the history of Rick Rubin, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Johnny Cash and uh this I, th- I think you agree with me on this one that hands held high the political statement about the Bush administration that was a standout track. Yeah,
1: I really like
0: that one. Too. For sure. Why was that not released as a single? <laughs> Yeah, I
1: mean, I think that song would actually apply to today's day and
0: age. Oh, I mean, yes. I mean, yes. A lot
1: of this album could apply to today's day and age, unfortunately. It's not much different.
0: Yeah. I mean, this was definitely a great album. I, I'm i sorry. it's. I mean, I didn't put it at number one. I had it at number one for years, but it is still in the top three at number two. Uh, fun fact. It's just
1: not something I reach for as far as like for film To each his
0: own. That's fair. I bet you didn't know this before we get into the next album. Uh, did you know that Chester Bennington, when promoting Minutes to Midnight, he said the two worst albums he's ever listened to were Hybrid Theory and Meteora. That was what he had said in an interview. What the hell? He actually said that I believe it was on 93X around two. Uh, back in 2007, it was a phone interview. Oh my god! Yeah, that. What an idiot! <laughs> yeah, but and that came from Chester Bennington, Lincoln Park frontman himself. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, I don't know if those are the worst two albums I've ever heard. They're certainly not, but I think
1: he's just being self-deprecating. That was kind of his humor. I, I feel like for a long time.
0: Yeah, and it's a coping mechanism.: For sure, and I can definitely relate to that on, on an instance myself. And yeah, hybrid theory is a classic. Meteora is also a classic, and most people won't agree like you, but minutes to midnight, I am put I would rank right up there for sure. All right, and we will get into the follow-up to Minutes to Midnight right now, and that uh, goes all the way to 2010. This was a very experimental uh, album, to say the least. Uh, the, The album A Thousand Suns. Where did you rank that?
1: Again, this is, again, not my most favorite album in the world. I, it's
0: all the way at the bottom of my list at number 7. Ooh. Hmm. Well, I didn't rank it uh very high either and I actually had that at the bottom of the list for a long time. This was my least favorite album Where's of theirs. Uh I actually have it at number 5. It actually I moved it oh, up wow. a couple I moved it up a couple of notches. That's nice. over. Tell me about it. And it's like, <laughs> wait a minute. I don't hate this one as much as I did. I
1: don't know. The whole album is very, I thought it was very experimental. And it just didn't quite land where it should have. I mean, I like that Shinoda has his time to shine. Because it seems like he has a lot more uh, independent vocals. But overall, the album was just kind of messy for me.
0: I agree. Uh, there was a couple issues I had with it. Uh, For starters, did it really need two intros?
1: Right, yeah. It's also one of those albums that you have to listen from start to finish. Otherwise, it doesn't really make sense.
0: Exactly. And uh, I'm curious, before we play uh, clip some songs off of it, what was your first taste of A Thousand Cents? Did you buy the CD or did you download it?
1: I don't remember, to be honest. I remember hearing The Catalyst... I feel like I watched the video on YouTube and then I don't remember. I must've listened. I listened to it online somewhere, because I didn't buy it. So I must've streamed it somewhere.
0: Okay. Well, the reason I ask is iTunes has a thousand suns, uh, set up as one 46 minute long track. Unlike, 17 tracks on the physical copy and Spotify. iTunes has it as one long 45-minute track. That's annoying. Yeah, especially... I mean,
1: it makes sense, but that's annoying.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, I've learned to accept A Thousand Suns as being like Dark Side of the Moon by Pink Floyd or a more recent album like Kid A by radiohead it yeah. is definitely an album you have to listen to whole you really can't i mean i understand what
1: they were going
0: for but yeah
1: just
0: not my fair enough and with that said you did mention the catalyst i'm not a fan of this song but it was a number one hit <laughs> I, don't know, I think it was. It wasn't the lyrical content that annoyed me. It was just the background music. It sounded like a really shitty regular Nintendo video game. Just, What's
1: wrong with that?
0: Okay, there is absolutely
1: like cheese.
0: Yes. Okay, <laughs> and for the record, there's absolutely nothing, nothing wrong with regular Nintendo. Don't get me wrong. There's just certain games off of regular Nintendo that just didn't age well and I can't remember the name of the game off the top of my head, but I remember the game sucked and that's what the music reminded me of. Okay. Anyway. say so. Yeah. <laughs> you were talking about Mike Shinoda finally uh, broke out on this album. They were more, he did have more vocal work this time around. This was my favorite song off A Thousand Suns, When They Come For Me. <gasps> But I think we can all agree, well, you said The Catalyst was your favorite song. My favorite song off the album was the other number one hit off of there, Waiting for the End. Hey, all I do is that was also a pop hit, in addition to being a rock hit, too. Yeah.
1: I really enjoyed
0: that song too. Yeah, very well done. And the last two songs we played, they played those on their last stint on SNL when they were a musical guest that year. Uh, Do we have anything else uh, to add to A Thousand Suns that we have not covered?
1: No, I think we pretty much covered it.
0: All right. Well, we're going to uh, fast forward to 2012 and we will do that in just a bit. welcome back wow we've already covered four albums from Linkin park
1: just over halfway
0: i know and we go into their fifth album from 2012 living things and you already listed that as your You listed the Minutes to Midnight as your least favorite album from them, correct? Or not Minutes to Midnight, Thousand Suns. Thousand
1: Suns is my least
0: favorite. All right. Well, uh, I have to say, after having it in my top five for a few years, this is my least favorite Linkin Park album.
1: Where's, that's number
0: five on my list. <laughs> oh, wow. So we basically switched.
1: Essentially. <laughs>
0: Yeah, As expected, because it was Linkin Park, it did go to number one. I, I will say I am a sucker for the first single off of it, which that was, of course, Burn It Down. It I find, you... Although I have to say that was not the best song on the album.
1: It was not. There's definitely some hidden gems on that album that... We're never singles.
0: Yeah, I, I will give you that. They're, I mean, it's not completely awful. It's it's mostly boring, but there are some good tracks on there. Yeah. Uh, anything that stood out from you?
1: Well, we kind of discussed before we started this podcast, but um, we decided that Victimized was uh, kind of a... It was a brilliant track that could have been a hell of a lot longer.
0: Oh, yes, I agree. I...
1: only
0: like a minute and 45 seconds yeah that's way too short which it's 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 got the punk rock vibe but man this had potential and shinoda in full effect on this song too uh yeah i agree with you victimized was definitely a good song my favorite song on there was a song that just didn't seem to do so hot, and I don't know why, and the song I'm talking about is Castle of Glass. Yeah, that was another great song that should have been better, and... I don't know. I just didn't like living things as much as I did. And that's why I have it at number seven. Uh, yeah.
1: And I thought it was interesting how both the album title and every song on, the t- on the album itself was written in all capital letters.
0: Yeah. I and did I notice that. I did a
1: little bit of research on that. And from what I found they basically wanted to present this album as something like louder and more powerful than anything they had done previously this album which i can kind of see in a way
0: yeah i I mean i definitely saw where they were going out with it but it was just too much electronic for me to be able to appreciate living things in the long run
1: yeah i can see that
0: yeah and with that said the next album which was released two years later was i thought a return to form Uh, I'm talking, of course, about The Hunting Party. That was the big hit off the album, Guilty All the Same, which featured rap legend Rakim. Uh, I put that at number four just basically because it was the return to the rock sound that I loved about Linkin Park so much.
1: It was also number four on my list. But, no, so.
0: no kidding, really? That's one
1: we agree on. <laughs> well, this shit. This was actually the first album just after Bray and I started dating that Lincoln Park released. And I remember burning it for him because I bought it on iTunes <laughs> and then I burned it onto a CD. And we did things the old-fashioned way because, I mean, Spotify was around then, but it wasn't as popular. And I don't think as many people knew. It existed, so yeah. <laughs> so we had to do things the old-fashioned way, and but it was a decent album. I really enjoyed it when
0: it came out. It was. I don't think it gets enough love, uh, and it should because I thought uh, the hunting party was great, and we that was one of the first concerts you and I saw together too, because we saw them at the Minnesota Fair. Yeah, it was State just Parish.
1: after the album had come out that we saw them live.
0: Yeah, and that was definitely one of my favorite shows because it was, I mean, Linkin Park was the headliner and they had 30 Seconds to Mars and AFI. Oh,
1: yeah, it was a decent show all around.
0: Yeah, definitely one of the great ones. And I was really glad. We both agreed that the two highlights on the album were Guilty All the Same, which we just played. yeah, And the other song, which again, I'm happy they played live, Final Masquerade. Uh, that is another criminally underrated song of theirs. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if I mean I know Linkin Park had a whole bunch of songs released on radio, and of course the deep album cuts that fans love. How where would you rank Final Masquerade if you had to put it put it in a list? What do you mean? Well, all time favorite Linkin Park songs. I mean, I know we did Hybrid Theory. But just off the top of your head, where would you rank Final Masquerade? I don't know.
1: <laughs> There's so many songs to choose from. I
0: don't know where I would put it. I know. I know. Yeah. I don't know. I would put. I probably would have put it in my top ten. But that's neither here nor there at this point. And Hunting Party, again, if you've never listened to it, please do. If you really love the rock sound that made Linkin Park famous... Hunting Party is one you will not be disappointed with. And with that said, we have to talk about The Elephant in the Room now. The one album that did disappoint the first time around, but has grown over time. Their to-date final album from 2017, One More Light. Yeah. Uh, whew. We are going to play a couple songs off of it, but... I'm just going to say it. It is near the bottom of the list for me. Even three years later, I have it at number six.
1: Wow. Over the years, it's definitely grown on me. I actually had it at number three. Oh, wow. Mostly because, okay. The reasons I put it up there is because it was very different for them, but it was a good different. Like, even though they had softened up and... Changed their sound up quite a bit. I just don't understand all the criticism they got for this album. Like, I understand it wasn't something we were used to, but I feel like people could have been a lot more open-minded about the album.
0: Yeah, I actually, I listened to the whole album because you had downloaded it uh, during a road trip. I can't remember where we were headed. That's not important. But I actually liked a good chunk of the songs. I still have it at number six, but it's really not as horrible as everybody made it out to be. It's more poppy, but it's not really the worst album they've ever put out.
1: Yeah. I really enjoy it.
0: Yeah. And I don't know. Could, do you think the reason the album did so badly was because of the fact that a, so, a soft, ballad called heavy was the first single.
1: I don't think so. I actually think Heavy is probably the most Linkin Park sounding song on that album. Really? Yeah. I can't carry. I keep dragging around. What's bringing me down? If I just let go, I'd be set
0: free. Holding up. Why is everything so heavy? I have to say, I did get a kick out of the. Studio footage of Linkin Park covering Heavy. If it was, if it was meant to be on Hybrid Theory, did I ever? Did you show me the video? Or did I show you the video of it? I
1: don't recall ever seeing that video, but okay. Oh, <laughs> yeah.
0: There's, there was video footage of them in the recording studio. This is about a week after Heavy had been released, and they had just been trashed by uh fans about the change in style and. They did a little uh, goofy thing of recording heavy if it had been a hybrid theory single and yeah that i don't know i don't hate the song as much as i used to but i don't know uh, if you want to talk about more lincoln park sounding on the album uh there's one album that i think there's one song i think you and i both agreed with and that was talking to myself and i'll tell you this was the scary part about this song it was released on the same day that chester bennington passed away
1: oh i didn't realize that i guess i was paying too much attention to the fact that he had died
0: (laughs) yeah well reading more into it doing the history and everything i was reading some information on talking to myself and It was released to radio that morning, and then a few hours later, that was when the announcement was made. It's, yeah.
1: Yeah, that was a tragic day, for sure.
0: Yeah, I remember having to, I mean, I was shook up too, but I remember having to console you that day when I came home from work.
1: Well, yeah, like, the news was shocking to begin with, and then you go online, and everybody's got all these tribute things, and everything, and everything you look at just, just made me more emotional every time. It was just like, okay, I I understand that you want to pay a tribute to him, but at the same time, it's just like, it it was a lot all at once. That's for sure.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I think, I mean, I talk about how much we love talking to myself, but the title track I thought was the standout.
1: Yeah, it definitely was.
0: Yeah. And wow. What, I mean, it was unfortunate. That was the way to go out, but If this was it, this is one of Linkin Park's best songs and Chester's best work. The National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is a national network of local crisis centers that provides free and confidential emotional support to people in suicidal crisis or emotional distress 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. They're committed to improving crisis service and advancing suicide prevention by empowering individuals, advancing professional best practices, and building awareness. If you feel you are alone and feel you can't reach out to the people closest to you, and you feel like harming yourself, please don't. There is hope and there is help. Call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. Thank you. Wow, we have gone through the entire discography of the one and only Lincoln Park. And for those of you uh, still listening, thank you. And we will have a uh, recap right now. And being as you're my guest and my wife, I will let you do the honors. Give us uh, your recap first.
1: All right. So starting from my number one. Are we going from number one or number?
0: You can rank it however you (laughs) wish.
1: I'll start from number one. then. My number one was Meteora. And number two, I had Hybrid Theory. Number three, I had one more light. Number four was the hunting party. Number five was living things. Number six was minutes to midnight, and number seven was a thousand suns.
0: All right, thank you, honey. Uh, and we will, uh, and we get to my list now as well. Number one, I also had meteora. Minutes to midnight was number two. I had hybrid theory from 2000 at number three. The Hunting Party was number four. I had A Thousand Suns. I was actually nicer to it this time around. I have that at number five. The final album, One More Light, at number six. And at the bottom, Living Things. Uh, I hope you enjoyed our look at the history and career of Linkin Park. And we hope you tune in next week for another edition of Random Album. Until then... I'm Bernie and I'm JC and we will see you next time. And uh, before we go, I just want to say thank you for uh, joining me on this journey and doing this episode with me. You're
1: welcome. It's been fun.
0: Yeah. Here's to more of these episodes. And if you want more of my wife as a guest on these episodes, please go to anchor.fm and click on the listener support option and leave a message. Tell us what you thought. And if there's anything you want me to rank, you let me know. I'll try and get to it as best I can. But until then, catch you later. You may think this idea is dumb. Well, you're wrong. It's actually random.